there's a lot of uncertainty out there. I think it's it's always a good idea to invest your money wisely. As a, a retailer and e-commerce director, look to spend your money in a way that's going to create a positive return. And I think right now, one of the ways you can do that is by meeting consumers where they are, realizing they're a little stressed out right now about their finances, offer some promos, offer some specials, and then try to find a way to incorporate omni-channel and, and literally meeting them where they are during what's kind of a challenging time for a lot of people. Well, hey there, Josh. We're excited to be here and welcome to Commerce Today. My name is Darren Newbold and as always, my wonderful sidekick, Josh Warren, is here and we're excited. We have a uh, pretty interesting kind of uh, a little historical in nature type of uh, topic today, but we're talking about omni-channel in the post-COVID robo-inflationary area or inflation era. I was adding some uh, some words and some uh, letters to our notes here. So anyway, Josh, help me out. We're starting to unpack this economic climate. What, what's happening today? Yeah. So it's, again, kind of like I like to do. We're combining a few different topics, a few different situations here. So we've got the, the constant shift towards omnichannel shopping, the impact of the current economy, and just looking at how all that's coming together and, and kind of what e-commerce directors need to do about that. So uh, so the current economic climate, I mean, there's not a not, not necessarily a lot to say that people haven't heard, but you know, lots of inflation, rising interest rates. Um, kind of the interesting bit is that the Fed keeps pushing interest rates up because they want to see unemployment go up because they think that'll bring consumer spending down, inflation down. But unemployment is not going up. Even with all the layoffs in the tech industry, it's still hovering below 4%. Hasn't they, haven't they been saying in the tech industry especially that they didn't want to, didn't want, they're, they're doing everything they can to protect jobs to really see if we can ride out this kind of inflationary time? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of companies that have said they're cutting back on travel, cutting back on expenses so that they don't have to cut people for sure. But all this comes together, whether your pocketbook has been impacted directly or not, a lot of consumers out there are scared. They look at all this and they say, hey, either I have less money to spend, my money doesn't go as far, or I'm worried that one of those things might happen. Uh, so they're spending less. Um, that's obviously impacting retail and e-commerce. But then the way some consumers are fighting that. They're, they still don't say no, though. Yep, us Americans, we love our consumerism and, and purchasing. So credit card debt has actually reached the highest level in history um, at least here in the U.S., U.S. consumer credit card debt is almost a trillion dollars. It's $986 billion. Wow. Highest amount ever in history. Um, and kind of the some of the numbers that scare me a little bit is that before the 2008 financial crisis, credit card debt was $850 billion. So this is a lot higher. Um, and something that didn't make it into our notes is obviously you've probably heard that now three banks have failed. And those three banks, their assets, um, if I'm not mistaken, now total – more than all the banks that failed back in 2008. So, wow. So what's, well, the, a, a question out there that we're not going to answer, but what what's holding us up, I guess, is kind of, and we probably, that's wave off. I don't, oh, even, yeah. I don't think no. I even want to know. <laughs> if this was a finance show, <laughs> the, the, the phrase irrational exuberance comes to mind every time I look at the stock market. Exactly. I'm like, what is going on over there? Exactly. But, uh, so, all right, waving off from that, back to e-commerce and what this is all about. So, Overall, we've had this still significant growth in, in e-commerce and the pandemic, while it was 
crummy in every sense of the word. However, from an e-commerce, it was a boom in a lot of ways. And it changed buying behaviors. It caused merchants to really become creative and to learn how to actually, in many ways, sometimes for the first time, to truly understand what the customer, what their customer wanted and serve exactly those needs of that customer. So tell us a little bit more. I know there's some, uh, some key pieces that have gone in that evolution. Josh, what's your, what's your take on that? Yeah, you know, a lot of people have talked about how e-commerce only grew 7% last year. Um, still, I mean, we're approaching almost double the levels that it was before the pandemic. So one of the reasons that percentage slowed down is just because there was such a huge level of growth in e-commerce in 2020 and 2021. Um, so there's still a lot of uh, growth happening in e-commerce and then especially the um, the shift towards omni-channel. And, and kind of one thing I've been looking at is – um, the way Best Buy has handled all this versus the way Bed Bath & Beyond handled all this. Um, yeah, yeah. RIP Bed Bath & Beyond. For those that haven't heard, they dun, have, dun, dun. They are liquidating um, and will be gone. I'm sure just like Toys R Us and so many brands, they'll be back in one form or another uh, someday. But the actual current stores, store footprint, all that is going away. Um and a lot of that, I feel like, is due to they were slow to e-commerce. They were slow to omni-channel. They were slow to curbside pickup, same-day delivery. Um, it's kind of interesting to someone that really likes to buy new technology but also has two young children at home. Um, I have experience with both of these brands. Well, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I um, throughout the pandemic and even post-pandemic, I would order things from Best Buy. And it was always super easy. And they always had, I mean, most of the products I was looking at, I could pick up same day in store. I could have shipped to me same day, could get it the same day very easily, oftentimes for free. They would uh, ran a lot of promos during the pandemic of free same day. Um, and they leveraged, and they I, I watched them pivot and experiment. And they leveraged different same day delivery providers, um, different services, really innovated a lot. Well, Bed Bath and & Beyond and their subsidiary Bye Bye Baby, um, I'd placed some same-day orders from them. Half the time, I never got it. The order got canceled. Uh, when I did get it, it was a really kind of clunky integration. I think it was DoorDash they were using. But it was a real clunky wow, that is integration. And yeah, it was. And then it wasn't even, even though it was in stock in a local store, they sent it from a store that was like an hour and a half away. So I don't think that DoorDash driver was very happy, and it took a long time to get it. So... Just watching those two and seeing how Best Buy kind of responded to the shift in the economy, the shift in buying behavior, shift due to the pandemic, versus how Bed Bath & Beyond basically didn't respond at all. Um, I think there's a cautionary tale for a lot of e-commerce directors. Well, and that may be something that we we want to dig into almost a case study wise of uh, of what did Be- what did Best Buy do right that was so right, and how do we how do we make sure and help others do the same? And how do you, you, our listener, can take advantage of those things? Well, part of the the whole premise here is this omni-channel shift and really looking at it and embracing that. And so I know it's the groovy buzzword, and it has been, and, and omni-channel, you can ask 
10 people what it means and you will probably get nine and a half different uh, definitions. It just depends on what they're trying to sell you. Exactly. Exactly. So from that, I guess, Josh, you, you brought in a new concept here and I'm going to, I really want you to, to, to help me understand it and help our listeners understand it as well. And that's this whole robo thing, but talk a little bit more about kind of embracing that omni-channel yeah. shift that we have going on. Yeah. So Basically, we all know Omnichannel is big. Um, we've heard that for years and years. Uh, robo, so there's one of the first top or concepts I heard around this was showrooming, which means, hey, you're using retail stores as your showroom, and then you're buying online. So you mm-hmm. might go to Target, compare three different vacuum cleaners, and then say, okay, well, Amazon has a better price, so I'm going to get my phone out and buy on Amazon. Well, then you started hearing reverse showrooming, which is now um, being called Robo, which stands for Research Online by Offline. So you do the opposite, where you might go on Amazon, use their great filters, well, sometimes great filters, and narrow down to what you're looking for and then say, all right, now I'm going to go drive over to Target. I'm going to buy this product that I actually found on Amazon. Um, so that's an interesting shift. And we even were talking before the the episode about how Certain products, certain categories, we really see this, you know, being likely to be used, but like even our own personal lives. Well, yeah, I brought up the the comment that f- that for me, I'm I'm I tend to be, hey, if you can't buy it online, you probably don't need it. However, comma, when you think about for me, a do-it-yourself project. Well, if I'm in that moment and stand back, that, yeah, stand back for one, <laughs> clear the area. Uh, Tim, the tool man, is on his way, but uh, I want to be able to do whatever I need to do in that moment. And so that's a home improvement store. We'll avoid total names here, but a home improvement store of some variety, or maybe it's just a simple Walmart run for different things. And so, yeah, in those environments, I do want to get it offline, if you will, in that store. And I might do a little research. Mostly the research is to make sure I know what I'm get. I know what I need to get. And that's a lot of times just to shorten my time in that store so I don't have to wander around aimlessly. And heaven forbid I have to ask for help because that's just not happening. <laughs> and it's funny how retailers, if you, they're, they're more than happy to make sure you don't have to ask for help. They're making it so easy to do things on their website and their app so that they don't have to hire as many store associates. I will, so, however, I'm going to put a little pause on that. One of the home improvement apps that I really like, however, it uh, – it's telling you, hey, be on this aisle, go to this place, exactly this. No, it was not really? even not. It, it was one of the few times that it was wildly off. See, I have already said Target like three times in this episode. They need to be a sponsor. Um, but I'll say Target, I have the exact opposite experience. Um, I'll be running to the, the store to grab something that, you know, my wife says, hey, we really need this. And I'm like, I've never even found that at Target before, and it is almost creepy how accurate the dot is on the map of where you're standing and then where the product wow, is. Wow, so, that's awesome. So, yeah, they definitely made some good investments there. So, so yeah, I mean, that both of those, I think, are good examples of why if you have a, a, a store footprint, you really have to be integrating that online and offline experience, omni-channels we've talked about for quite some time. Um, but that even kind of takes us into our, our last segment about actionable strategies for e-commerce directors because you might be sitting out there saying hey we don't have stores so you know nothing i can do here well no there is um you should experiment with pop-up shops you should experiment maybe with partnerships with local brick and mortar stores with the shift between robo and the post-covid world you really do need to have some way that customers can buy from you in person in store um 
And I think, and they, they, you know, everyone calls it pop-up shops. In my day, it was called a mall kiosk. <laughs> yeah, good old um, kiosk. Exactly. Yes. These don't have to be huge. Like you don't have to have a national or even regional footprint. If you're, you know, if you're a, a company that's in a major metropolitan area and you just want to open up three kiosks to experiment with, I think that can give you really good data and really good information on are your customers, you know, shopping in this robo omni-channel style or not. Well, and it's going to give you a yeah, different uh, different demographic uh, information. And then I was just thinking about this. It's it's one of those where the partner being able to partner with other type of merchants or similar type of merchants to create a broader mm-hmm. product base that you might have, and it really allows you to connect maybe with a, a specific demographic. Mm-hmm. So looking at a product and stuff, something that you have that does really hit a certain demographic, that's a great way to do that. I know I know one of the things just from uh, our time at uh, at Adobe Summit and one of the uh, one of the merchants that talked there was in Formula One, Williams Racing. And that's one of the keys that they do is, is the their omni-channel approach is very specific to the tracks they race at and the different demographics because much of that is not in the United States. It's all over in Europe and, and across the world. So very interesting, very interesting uh, process. The one thing I might bring up on this, and this is just, again, from the cheap seats of commerce today, in my opinion, if you should choose to do the kiosk, do it long enough to either get good data to know that you shouldn't do it or that's not the right place or keep it there long enough to really build a following so you understand. Because I think... I think a lot of times a merchant might quit that one week, one month before the group of people that they really want to hit shows up and is, is, is there to buy. It's kind of one of those, I feel like that great t-shirt that everybody's starting, they're finally starting to hear about it. And, ooh, hey, you can get at the kiosk. Oop, you know, a week later, the kiosk is gone because the data wasn't there yet. Yeah. And, and also, I think there's some interesting things you can do once you have that physical presence in that kiosk with... Google shopping feeds, Google local, things like that, that those also take some time to build up. So definitely consider that in your strategy. And I love, I'd forgotten about the Williams example. And that's, that's another good lens to look at the idea of a pop-up through is, are there events? Are there, you know, do you have a key demographic that there's certain types of events they flock to? And if so, is there a way to have a pop-up store just around that event? And that can be Another good way to leverage omni-channel in a retailer that otherwise, you know, has no brick and mortar or physical presence. Exactly. And it allows you experience and some insight to your to your customer that you're always wanting as a merchant. You always want to know who's buying, why, and what all that looks like. So a lot of neat stuff. Well, hey, as we wrap this up and put the proverbial bow on it, we've uh, we've hit on the kind of the craziness of the economy. And the things that are going on there, and and while we understand that credit cards are fun and uh, can be, we might indi- might share that hey, sometimes it's okay to say no to that next thing you need to buy because our debt debt is increasing like crazy. And then Josh, you were saying a little bit about the e-commerce evolution and Bed Bath and Beyond, Best Buy, those experiences and what's happening there. We hit on the omni-channel shift, and and we've known about that, but we we kind of repackaged the great term of showrooming and the reverse showrooming to the robo. And then now, what are the strategies for these e-commerce directors? As we wrap it all up, any last thoughts and words for you, 
Josh. Yeah, just bringing it back to the economy, um, which now I'm thinking of old political campaigns, and we're not going to go there. But uh, bringing it back to the economy, um, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. I think it's it's always a good idea to invest your money wisely. Um, as a, a retailer and e-commerce director, look to spend your money in a way that's going to create a positive return. And I think right now, one of the ways you can do that is by meeting consumers where they are, realizing they're a little stressed out right now about their finances, offer some promos, offer some specials, and then try to find a way to incorporate omni-channel and, and literally meeting them where they are during what's kind of a challenging time for a lot of people. Sounds fantastic. Well, again, as always, we appreciate you being on board with us here at Commerce Today. If you have an opportunity, please follow us, and we look forward to catching you the next time on Commerce Today. Take care. Take care.